This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. I've been told I should introduce myself as Megan Robbins at churchres.org, as that's how most of you know me. But um, my name is Megan. I'm the pastoral care pastor here at Church of the Resurrection. Um, I'm privileged to hold that role, but much more privileged to hold the role of mother to three wonderful children, Margot, Julian, and Simeon. And as their mother, I have discovered that trying to give my children simple responsibilities is very complicated. Even something as simple as, please set the table, gives me vastly different responses from each child. So I'd like all of you today to join me in a very arbitrary personality test based on my children. It's exaggerated, unscientific, but are you a Margot, a Julian, or a Simeon when it comes to someone asking you to do something? So first, if you're a Margot, my firstborn, you say yes right away. Yes, Mom, I'd be happy to set the table. And then you get maybe two or three forks in and suddenly you see your favorite book or you see your dad that you want to chat with and you just lose your sense of focus and the table never gets set. If you're a Julian, your response is passivity. You kind of know that something's being asked of you, but you don't really care and you're really surprised when there's consequences when you don't do it. <laughs> and when you're finally pushed to do it, the fastest is best. Shortcuts all the way. Just get it over with. And finally, if you're a Simeon, our beloved toddler, your motto is the one that he came up with on his own this summer. I don't do nothing for nobody. I only do something for myself. <laughs> just being asked something is just a delightful chance to say no to it. So I will not ask you for a show of hands for which one you are, but I will tell you that I am all three, given that they are my offspring. Um, and of course, within this picture, I'm not asking my children to set the table because I need them to. I can set it much better than they can. Um, but I want them to learn. I want them to learn responsibility and the joy of service. And I'm ultimately asking them to say yes to my vision for their thriving. And in today's passage, we meet Mary, the woman whose faith is most famous for her willingness to say yes to God. And Mary's yes stands in opposition to Eve's no in the garden and is a turning point, is the turning point in our salvation history. Her yes was to God's vision and welcomed into the world our long-awaited Messiah. And now let's be clear, just like I do not need my children to set the table, God does not need our yes in order to bring his kingdom into the world, but yet he desires it. It's how he planned it from the very beginning when he set Adam and Eve over this garden that he'd created and asked them to cultivate it. In inviting us to say yes to him, God asks us to submit ourselves to the beautiful vision he has for our lives. And of course, after Eve no derailed this partnership, God didn't give up. He chose Abraham and pursued a collaborative model with us, even though our hearts kept saying no to him. We've been reading the Old Testament with our kids, and it's like their joke now. I'm like, when are they going to fail? Have they failed yet? <laughs> when we read any New Testament character, it's just like, of course they're going to fail. It's the Old Testament. Um, and we, we continue in that vein until now in the book of Luke, and we find Mary giving this astonishing, unreserved yes to God's invitation to take part in his plan. So, given our Margot, Julian, and Simeon-like proclivities, how can we be a people who are not only able but eager to say yes to God? Our human sinful nature would have us say no, like Eve, and pursue our own way. But God asks us every single day to say yes to him and his vision for what it means to us to thrive. 
And I I invite you to take a moment here and stop and think, why do you even want to say yes? Why would we want to say yes? And I would say that in the beginning of our relationship with the Lord, just like my younger children, you say yes because you ought to, right? You know you'll get in trouble if you don't. But as you get older and more mature in your relationship with the Lord, you become more intimate with him and know him better, and you start to share his vision. You understand that, hey, there's a really good meal coming if I, should, if I set this table for mom. If I say yes to the Lord, he gives me nothing less than himself. You want to say yes. And of course, most importantly of all, our yes is only within the context of God's abundant yes to us in Jesus Christ. Nothing we have done as humans has stopped his overflowing love for us. And in Mary, we see God doing the absolutely unthinkable and becoming a human. The very humans that have rejected him, he unites himself to us. My children can only say yes because to setting the table because my husband and I have provided the home, table, silverware, the meal, so that they can do so. And it's only within God's redemptive work of yes to us that we can give our yes and that Mary gives her yes. So it's only in that context that we can sit with her. And while Mary might feel like a distant figure, very kind of foreign and strange to us back in time, the fact is we live out the exact same rhythm that she did every day, friends. Like with Mary, God invites us to say yes to Jesus and then gives us the incredible privilege of bearing him into the world with the same joy and intimacy that Mary shared with him. And this is not just confined to our initial yes of becoming a Christian, as important and beautiful as that moment is. This is a daily work of yes, of saying yes to God's vision for our thriving and no to our own that is fallen. So let's take a look at Mary today, the very first human to house Jesus in her person, the very first human tabernacle. And as we've seen in my children, it's not natural to say yes. Certain things need to be in place. But once the yes is given, the fruit is Christ himself. And while in today's Mary passage we see Mary living this out physically, we are living this out spiritually. Mary shows us how to say yes, then God takes it, and brings joy to the church and to the world. So turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 1. It's page 855 in your pew bulletins. We're going to start with the Annunciation. Here is this very familiar story when the angel Gabriel comes to tell Mary the incredible news that she's been chosen to be the mother of the Son of God. How was Mary able to say yes to this? And again, I'm going to say one more time, this is happening within the greater context of God first chose Mary and prepared her for this moment. He gave her the strength and ability to say yes. She wouldn't have had the opportunity otherwise, but she still had a choice. And this is the context in which she made it. So first of all, there's the backdrop of Mary's um, life as a Jewish woman. Unlike Abraham, who when God first called him had no context for who this God was, Mary had been worshiping Yahweh her whole life. As a Jewish woman, she would have been praying daily to God, crying out for the Messiah to come and rescue her and her people. She had a profound faith which had been nourished by scripture. Her Magnificat really highlights this. It's a riff on Hannah's song in the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, and it synthesizes the essence of the prophets. God is coming to turn the world upside down and fulfill the promise he made to Abraham, and we get to take part in it. So Mary was saying yes to someone she knew, Yahweh. And this moment was a literal answer to her prayers. And because she knew him, she then was able to submit to the invitation. Her trust in Yahweh knew, meant she knew he was safe to submit to. That matters. 
Mary's relationship with God was so strong, she knew him so well, that she says those incredible words in verse 38. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Despite the small difficulty of her virginity, she then says, how will this be since I am a virgin? Her yes was not a passive one, but the active yes of someone who trusts the plan and wants to participate in it. And notice she doesn't engage in false humility here, like, oh no, God, you, you came to the wrong woman. I'm just a teenage girl from Nazareth. She just says yes to this is my part in God's plan for the world and for my own life. She says yes without knowing the full details of the plan. She never was given them her whole life. She never fully understood what was going on, but she trusted that God wanted her in this story. So how do we say yes like Mary? Well, first of all, of course, we can say yes to Jesus because we too know him through scripture. He is not a distant stranger and went to great lengths to make himself knowable to us. This is one of the many reasons it's so important to bathe ourselves in scripture. You need to know God personally so that you can trust him and say yes to him in all circumstances, good and bad. Reading scripture, we fall into this lie that it's dry, but it's actually like reading an incredibly good book where you just fall in love with the characters. It reminds me of when I was in probably late elementary school. I was very deep into the Anne of Green Gables series and found myself one day praying for Anne in this trouble that she was in, and then came to and realized, oh, she's a fictional character. <laughs> but with the Bible, of course, the God we encounter is real. Um, he is trustworthy, and we fall in love with him. Let, your, let the Bible populate your imagination. Um, as I was contemplating this, I thought of earlier this fall when there were moments and I didn't know if I could recognize truth anymore. I just felt so confused about what was true and what was not and had hit this moment of despair of how do you move forward if you don't know what's right and wrong? And it hit me in the core of my being that the literal only thing that I could trust fully without qualification was the Bible. The Word of God is absolutely solid, period. You never have to doubt its truth to you, for you. And so ever since then, in those moments when I feel confused, I just take myself back to the scripture and I sit under it and I receive it as my firm foundation. I find my feet again. So I encourage you this Advent to pick a favorite gospel story, Old Testament story, whatever you'd like, and just rest in its solidity. Maybe you'll sit with Jesus as you would with a friend. Pay attention to his emotions. He's a real person. His physical actions, his words. Does he seem like someone you would trust? How does it make you feel to be with him? Do you enjoy his presence? It is in this relationship, this relational trust, that our submission should flow. We too, like Mary, can know our Messiah because we know his word. And this is doubly important, not only that, so that we can know God and know his word, but so that we know when it's not his word and we're not duped into saying yes to something other than God. Satan is actively trying to get us to say yes to him and no to God. Intimacy with God enables us to practice discernment when we're not sure if we're saying yes to the right things. As we learn with Deacon Val in the Transformation Intensive, you have to pay attention to the fruit of your, your actions. Is it drawing you more deeply into faith, hope, and love, or further away from faith, hope, and love? A life of yes in the Lord will always bear the fruits of the Spirit, so pay attention to that. And of course, it's a yes daily in all circumstances, good and bad. I found myself almost every day now, if I'm 
trying to figure out what to do, saying to, my, saying to the Lord, okay, what does it mean to say yes to you right now, Jesus? Not to the circumstances, but to the person that you are. And I'm then drawn back to scripture and just what it means to live a life in Christ. All right, let's move on to today's text, verses 39 through 55. And in this passage, we see what comes of Mary's yes as God unleashes joy in the life of the church. So Mary, newly pregnant by the Holy Spirit, takes an 80-mile journey to be with her relative Elizabeth. She doesn't go off and become a hermit to protect this incredible gift she's been given or to hide from the shame of her neighbors and their questions. Instead, she rushes straight to her relative Elizabeth, who is old and needs help in her pregnancy. Just, I love that. It shows you what an incredible woman Mary was. But she also went to receive confirmation of what the angel had told her. The angel told her very specifically this detail about Elizabeth. And she went to be in community with the only other human beings on the planet at that point who could commiserate with what she was going through. She needed her fellow believers, Elizabeth and Zechariah, to encourage her and confirm her, joys, her choices. And sure enough, when she arrives, the Holy Spirit fills John the Baptist and Elizabeth, and they immediately affirm that Mary is indeed pregnant with the Son of God. In verse 42, Elizabeth cries out, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to see, come to me? In his generosity, God gave Mary confirmation of the fruit of her yes through John the Baptist and Elizabeth. And here with them, the joy of Christ is unleashed. Even the baby John the Baptist, six months old in utero, leaps for joy when he senses that Christ is near. And it is not a coincidence that it's here in this place of community with fellow believers that Mary's Magnificat pours forth. She just sings out in joyful worship over the fact that God has invited her to collaborate with him in his incredible plan to rescue humanity from sin. And those words that we all know so well in verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. God makes the fruit of her yes tangible in the context of her fellow believers, and her Magnificat is a song of delight, a gift to both herself and the fellow believers she was with. Through Mary, they too received confirmation of the choices they have made and the, the things that they're living in their pregnancy with John the Baptist, and they get to encounter their long-awaited Messiah. And I love that Mary stayed through John the Baptist's birth. It means she witnessed that miraculous moment, Zechariah's unleashing of his tongue when he says his name is John, and gets even more confirmation and encouragement from her fellow believers. I love that it was in that first trimester, which is often very difficult, that she just stayed with friends and was able to bathe in that joy of community. And of course, like Mary, we are communal creatures, and it is in relationship with other people that our faith blossoms and our yes to God thrives. Like Mary, we too have the joy of engaging with our brothers and sisters to serve them and to be served by them. I cannot count the amount of times in my life at this church that this community has been the difference between emotional health and emotional devastation for me. I, time and time again, when I'm overwhelmed or tired or grieved, it's just one of you brothers or sisters in Christ that prays for me or gives me a simple word of encouragement and I'm suddenly able to hear the Lord's voice in my life again, and I know that's true for many of you as well. Just this week, I was having a hard week, and I texted a few friends who I know are really sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and it was, their responses were enough to just unlock me and bring me a sense of peace and groundedness again. It makes good sense. 
that the main place we receive joy and encouragement in our life with Christ and in the work of saying yes to God is in the church. Mary did not look to people who were not hearing from God for encouragement. Can you imagine if she'd walked up to a centurion and said, hey, I'm pregnant with the Son of God. Can you confirm my life choices? Like, no. Only those seeking and carrying Jesus are able to support us in the choices we're making in Jesus. Don't look to the world for encouragement or guidance. It cannot help you. Look to those bearing the fruits of the Holy Spirit like Elizabeth and Zechariah because they're on the same path you are and looking to the same goal of thriving that you are in the Lord. It is in the life of the church that our joy is unleashed as we say yes to God and encourage one another. And it is here that true worship pours out of us, friends. As we are surrounded by fellow believers, we are able to take joy in the fruit of saying yes. Christ himself in his body, the church, there is nothing like being surrounded by that roar of worship as we sing together or declaring the, gospels in the, litur- the gospel in the liturgy or the privilege of feasting on Jesus together at the table. God in his infinite tenderness knows how much we need each other in our journey of faith and invites us to set the church at the heart of our week so that we too can let loose our own magnificat. Jesus, God, you're inviting me to be part of your plan. You are so good. In church, we glory together in the intimate presence of Jesus. Finally, let's jump forward to Luke chapter 2, verses 15 to 20, where we see a newly postpartum Mary receiving visitors in a stable in a very strange town that she's never been before, probably. Here we see God unleashing joy, not just to the church, but to the whole world. In her Magnificat, Mary's saying that Jesus would exalt those of humble estate And here they are, the shepherds. Scruffy shepherds were the first strangers to be told the glorious news of Christ's arrival. Her yes had already changed Joseph and Zechariah and Elizabeth's lives, and now it's going to change the lives of people she has never met. First in this circle of people that meet Jesus here, and then as Jesus grows, the world has changed. But these strangers were given the privilege of meeting God-made man, the incarnate Messiah, in the arms of Mary. Later, a trio of foreign wise men would show up at her door and tell her a star had led them to meet Jesus. And though Mary could not fully understand, we are told that she treasures and ponders these things in her heart. It is so often true that we cannot see the big picture of our yes, and we're just called to treasure and ponder the encouragement God gives us day by day. And this moment reminds us of what I said earlier, that though God does not need us to enact his plan for the world, He delights to include us in them. The fruit of our yes to God is nothing less than the privilege of bearing him into the world to people who do not know him yet. Our yes is not meant to be just for ourselves and our fellow believers, but especially for those who don't know the joy of being in life with Christ. The gospel did not stay within the Jewish community. It spread out through the Gentiles into the entire world. God takes our yes and makes it bear fruit far beyond anything we are capable of in our own strength by the power of the Holy Spirit. This week I had the joy of listening to our missionary Devin Phillips give an update on her ministry and tell stories about the gospel being taken to all sorts of incredible places and diverse places like war zones and to people with disabilities and to refugees coming out of slavery and to secular Jewish actors and on and on. And it just struck me that, of course, the fruit of Devon's yes as a missionary is very clear, 
But her yes is a result of your yes in supporting her financially and in prayer. And her yes is a result of her parents' and grandparents' yes to a life in the Lord. There is no yes to the Lord too small for him to magnify and expand it in the world and bring the fruit that he desires from it. So I just invite you, don't be afraid of being proud of the fact that you're saying yes to your creator, God. Speak of it to your friends that don't know Jesus and trust the results to God. Mary did not send the angels to the shepherds. She didn't send the star to the magi. God did. He sets it up, he gives her the strength, and he multiplies the yes and causes it to bear fruit. So I'd like to come back to my initial picture of asking my children to set the table. In that analogy, it is not my children's yes that magically makes the dinner appear. Their yes simply enables me to bless them with a meal that I've prepared for them. Similarly, Mary and her yes did not make Jesus appear on earth. God the Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, had prepared this moment for all eternity, and her yes allowed her the joy of participating in it. The work of saying yes to God always takes place in his preemptive yes to us, and he gives us the strength and the courage and the ability to say it. It is through the context of his yes that we receive our invitation to collaborate with him. And the abundantly generous result of God the Father to us when we say yes to him is an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, the Son of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we say yes, we feast on his presence moment by moment, day by day, and are given the strength to walk through anything, knowing that in the end we will feast with Jesus in heaven. Again, friends, in good and bad, it doesn't matter the external circumstances that life is throwing at you. You can always say yes to Jesus within them and ask him what he has for you in that moment. He is with you, and he will meet you in that place, not despite that place, but in that place. So Mary physically lived out what we live spiritually every day. In her yes, she was given the glorious gift of a tangible physical relationship with Jesus, the Word made flesh. And her small yes was a foreshadowing of Jesus' ultimate yes on the cross and then the triumph of his resurrection and ascension. When we say yes to God in big situations and small ones, we allow him to play out the triumph of his salvation plan in our own lives. And with him, we defeat Satan's no over and over again. And then he gives us the joy of his presence in the life of the church and spreads it out to the world. It's incredible. And so, friends, this, this Advent, as we wrap Advent up and walk into Christmas tide, I just invite you to soak into God's promises and say yes and amen to them as we await our final feast with him when he comes again. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.